Our Father in heaven, we worship you and we ask that you would grant us grace as we come to these verses in Matthew 6. We pray that you would give us understanding and you would help us by the power of your spirit to not only understand these things, but that your spirit would apply them to the very marrow of our being. In Christ's precious name, amen. This part of the Sermon on the Mount reads like this. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, how the readings of today and God's sovereignty all lined up like dominoes. Just as we continue in 2 Corinthians, we land in 2 Corinthians 8, and those two chapters, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, are going to be discussing giving to the Lord's work. It really is just that simple. Opening up one's purse, opening up one's wallet, opening up one's checkbook, and actually putting money into the plate for the work of the saints. It really is just that simple. That's what 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is about. In the Gospel reading, the parable of the sower is explained. And I think that the one part of the parable of the sower that truly afflicts many American Christians, I should say, many professing American Christians, is the third type of seed. The seed that is strangled, as it were, by the cares of this world by the thorns of this world. You see, if you grew up in a third world impoverished, impoverished, impoverished country, the cares of this world are fairly small. You worry if you're going to have literally daily bread. Here in America, well, everybody here, very few of us have to think about that. We have more than we need. We have more than we need. And we've become so caught up in those things that we find that our lives are unfruitful. There are scores of American Christians, both professing and real, whose lives are bitterly disappointing to them and to those around them, including their pastors. You see, as a pastor, I can see potential in people. I do see potential. And then when I see it not coming to fruit, I have to confess to you that it, is, it does damage to my soul. When I see person X, Y, and Z, who is, I can see such great things for them spiritually in, within the realm of the church and in God's kingdom. 
then after five or ten years, I don't see that potential being even tried to be used. I have to tell you, it does get a tad discouraging at times at two in the morning when I'm praying for someone. And any pastor who's honest will tell you the same thing. When you see people in your life, you want to see them fulfill their potential, don't you? Your loved ones. If you see a loved one who has a potential in a particular area, you want to see them use that potential for good. Well, it's the same thing for a pastor. He just has a wider, a wider group of people to see that in. And you see someone, and you say, wow, I really thought you were going to take off. And, hmm, it didn't quite happen. Now, none of us fulfill our potential as well as we could, myself included. But that doesn't mean that we should stop trying. The question we have to ask is, why? What? What exactly is the problem? Why am I not fulfilling my spiritual potential? Why am I not bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Well, there are a multitude of reasons for that. But today's sermon's text from the Sermon on the Mount, as we continue with the Sermon on the Mount, gives us, to a very, very large degree, the universal answer of why many of us don't mature spiritually and don't prosper spiritually. It's because we have divided loyalties. We don't have our priorities in order. We don't have the proper priorities. We are trying to live in two worlds, in two countries, with dual citizenship, and it just doesn't work. Yes, I know, in the physical world, you can go down to Texas somewhere and plant your foot in Mexican soil, I'm assuming, and one foot on American soil, or in Canada, and you might be able to walk in Canada and America at the same time. But in the spiritual realm, you're either following the call of Christ or following the call of the evil one, and those footsteps go in opposite directions. You cannot walk east and west at the same time. You cannot walk north and south at the same time. You will go back and forth. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us will say, You know what? That does sum up my spiritual life. I go back and forth. I take a step forward, I take a step and a half back. Then I take two steps back and I have to run to get back to where I was. And then I take two steps forward and I take a half a step back. And after ten years, I am just so tired. Can't I just take ten steps forward? Yes, I'm here to tell you, you can. Okay? You can. However, it's not easy. It's like losing weight. It's not hard to do. But you have to be able to crave donuts and not grab them. It's just that simple. If you go on a diet, you're going to crave donuts, you're going to crave pastries, and if you want to stick to the diet, you can't touch them. It really is just that simple. It really is just that simple. The donuts will get you every single time. They have like 500 calories a pop. Are you laying up treasures on earth? Jesus tells us not to do that. It's a command here. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I have to ask you at the outset, are you doing that? Are you hoarding? Are you a pack rat for the things of this world, the things of this earth? There's actually a show called Hoarders. Have you ever seen it? 
Now, don't advise that it become, becomes a staple of your watching habits. And you know how I feel about TV. It shouldn't become a staple of your life at all. But Hoarders is very interesting to watch for 10 or 15 minutes. There are persons with an actual sin problem that develops into a disease and then aggravates itself as more of a sin problem where they can't throw anything out. So you'll find people that have 30 years worth of newspapers in their basement. Okay? Now, we like to hold on to news clippings, right? There's no problem. Uh, a cousin or a son does well in the football game. You hold on to the clippings, but you don't need the classifieds from 1959. You really don't. You don't need the want ads from, from 1972 because that was a long time ago when those opportunities have passed. If you call the number, they're not going to be hiring anymore. If they are, it's going to be very, very strange. You don't want to hoard stuff. Physical stuff. Mental stuff. Emotional stuff. Spiritual stuff that is rooted in this earth because our Lord commands us not to. That's the first reason. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The reason we are not to hoard the things of this earth, to not lay up for ourselves treasures of earthly value, is because they are temporal. Moth, moths eat things. Rust never sleeps. I think there's a song from the 1970s, Rust Never Sleeps. You have to continually pay attention to rust, or it just keeps eating away at the metal. You have to tend to it. You have to continually beat the moths away or they will start to eat stuff. And what this is getting at is that no matter what you buy on this earth, it will rot. No matter how nice the car looks now, in a hundred years, it will be a slab of metal that you don't even think about. It will be rotting. You can buy yourself or your loved ones a $100,000 gold-gilded casket. And you want to know what? In 50 years, it will be just as waterlogged as a $1,000 pine box. It's going to end up the same. Because it's underground. Gravity will get it. Water will get it. Bugs will get it. The things of this earth are temporary. They are passing. Why would we waste our time hoarding things that we know are going to rot? Now, that's a great perplexity. That's a why. I'm just getting at the what right now. Okay? The answer is that we are to focus ourselves on heaven. And to realize that the things of heaven, that the things of the next life are permanent and eternal. Now, if you have a choice, think about it here on the here and now. If you have a choice between purchasing a, a pair of clothes, a suit, for instance, male or female, and you know that one suit costs, I'm just going to come up with a number, $500, and the other suit costs 100 Let's just presuppose you actually have the $500 to spend. It would seem that the one that cost $100 would be the wise move. 
We saved $400. But what if you knew with dead certainty that the one that cost $100 would be threadbare and ruined within a year? You just knew that it was cheaply made. It was going to fall apart. It was a guarantee. But that the one that cost $500 would, A, not go out of style. And two, that it would last 10 years. Which one in the long run is a better investment? Obviously, the one for $500. You can wear it for 10 years, presupposing you don't hit those donuts too hard, and it's not going to be threadbare, and it won't go out of style. The one that costs more, the pearl of great price, is worth more. And that's what we have to decide. Is the next life more important, or is the 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever years, amount of years we're given here more important? That really is just that simple. And you have to decide today. Which is more important to you? Now or forever? You see, we're so short-sighted. And our generation is acclimated to things happening so quick. Because we have microwaves. Right? We have microwaves. And all of these changes have really only happened in 30 or 35 years. When I was a boy, nobody had, nobody had microwaves in the 60s. I don't remember seeing one until 1977. I remember the first time I saw one, I thought, what is that? And I thought, wow, that, that cooked awfully fast. And it's really, really hot in the middle, and it's cold everywhere else. Something's wrong with this sandwich. That's a microwave. Cable television. There's no such thing as cable television in the late 60s when I was growing up. There was three channels and maybe PBS, and they went off at 1 o'clock. Now, you can watch television 24-7, and you know what? You'll be just as bored. You might have 500 channels, and you'll sit there with that clicker, and you won't stay on one for very long. Two minutes, one minute, go. One, two, three, four, just keep going. We're used to just having things happen so quickly that we get so short-sighted. We don't have the appreciation that former generations had of realizing, hey, it's going to take time to build this thing. Do you think that this building, which is humble but beautiful, that it went up in a day? Do you think it went up in a week? It took time. It took time. Some of this stuff is homemade. It takes time to craft things by hand. You can't just call up a factory in China and have it hand-pressed out of particle board. You've got to get that wood, cut it down, and craft it. And that's what your life is like. You have to start realizing you've got to make a choice. Do I want my life to be like some particle board pressed in China that's just going to be wrecked in two years and turned to sawdust? Or do I want it to be handcrafted and classical-looking and worth something in eternity? And the only way we can do that is to forget about the treasures of this earth and then do the positive command of laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven where nothing gets ruined. That's the catches. We have to make a decision based upon value. What is going to last? What is going to last? The engine made of steel or the engine made of aluminum? What is going to last? Brick or balsa wood? What's going to last? 
Artificial turf or sod. Okay, we'll forget about that last one because artificial turf will last a long, long time, but it's ugly and it wrecks your knees. What do you want? Look in the mirror. I'm asking you, what do you want? An eternity of value or trinkets and junk? Think of the weight that we have. And this isn't just talking about physical stuff here, by the way. Because you can live like a monk on the floor and still be tied to this earth. And you can live in a mansion with all kinds of stuff and still be heavenly minded. It's a trick to do it that way, but it can be done. You can be poor and very, very concerned about riches. And you can be uh, incredibly wealthy and realize that it's a gift from God. Are you tied to this earth? Even with mental things and spiritual things and emotional things. Are we so. Think of the fights that we have. They're over earthly stuff. They're over earthly stuff. And as I mentioned last week, it's usually. They're all very temporal. You see, if you've ever had an argument with a, a family member or a friend and then resolved it five weeks, five months, five years later, by definition, it's temporary because it's resolved. I didn't speak to my father one time when I was a young man for eight years. Okay? I can assure you that it wasn't my fault. Okay? Heaven is my witness. It was not my fault. I was right in this argument. I was right. He was wrong. And he admitted it. It took eight years, but he admitted it. And I was young and unsaved. Okay? I, probably, I probably could have called and said, hey, we should work this out. But I was young, dumb, and unsaved. So I have at least three excuses there. Okay? But it was temporal. It ended. Now we got another fight after that. But that fight ended. It was temporary and it was over something incredibly stupid. It really was. It was over something silly. It was earthly. And we get so invested in this stuff, in these earthly squabbles, in these earthly battles, in these earthly pursuits, which in the end are trivial pursuits. What do you care what other people think about you? Is it really that important? Are they ever going to stand over you and judge you on Judgment Day? No! They will not be there. It will be you and God. Who should you be worried about dealing with? That doesn't mean we intentionally go out of our way to be obnoxious, but if someone doesn't like you, and especially talking to the young people here, oh well, oh well. If they don't like you in first grade or second grade or third grade, it's probably not going to matter when you're a freshman in college. So just let it roll. And we as adults have to do the same thing. Does it really matter if someone has this or that and we don't? Does it really matter? No, it really doesn't. All that matters is at the end of the day, our souls are safe and we pass from this life to the next under the veil of Christ's protection. That is all that matters. Crossing that finish line as a winner. And the only way you cross that finish line as a winner is to end up as a born-again Christian when you die. It's just that simple. And the text continues with this mysterious thing. The lamp of the body is the eye. 
And that if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We have to admit that this is a strange little parable. Light, darkness, eyes, bodies, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Well, it does if you just look at it slowly and carefully. Think of the treasures. The previous verses were talking about treasures, things, stuff. You have to see them. Right? You have to be able to look at them. If you're going to buy something, you want to look at them and see, okay, this is cast iron. This is probably going to last a while. It's really heavy, and I don't have to use soap and water on it. And this is uh, Teflon. It's good, it's light, but I'm going to guess that it's probably not going to last as long as the cast iron. It might, but it might not. I know that the cast iron is going to last. Because grandma's had one for 75 years. It's hard to clean, but it doesn't, it just, it just, it just doesn't, just doesn't break. I'm sure you can break cast iron if you try hard enough, but you really have to try. Teflon, yeah. I don't have Teflon that I had 10 years ago. It wears out. Cast iron lasts. You have to see them, you have to touch them, you have to feel them. And what this is talking about is viewing the things that we decide to grab. Whether they are physical things, or spiritual things, or mental things, or earthly things. I had a friend of mine in Bible college who his goal was to know everything about philosophy. Philosophy is a particular intellectual discipline. It's very interesting, especially when you study 20 of the great philosophers and you realize that they're all wrong. And you realize, wow, what a waste of time that was to spend all those years just to come up with the fact that 20 brilliant men were all wrong about almost everything. Um, It's really discouraging. But that was his goal, is to just to master the field of philosophy. I says, brother, you've got a long, long road to walk because there's a lot of them and a lot of of stuff to learn. But he said his goal to do that. About halfway through Bible college, he said, this is a waste of time. I says, well, I could have told you that two years ago, but... You know, I, I, I did the same thing five years earlier, so I figured I'd let you walk that gauntlet on your own. He set his eyes on the wrong thing. He looked at the wrong thing. And what this is talking about here, listen to me carefully, if you're always looking at the things of this world, then darkness will pervade your life. Do you want to know why you're not making progress as a Christian? It's because you're trying to look in two directions at once. Try and do it. You get dizzy. You can look that way, and you can look this way. If you try and do both at the same time, you will come up with double vision. You'll get a headache. You will pass out from dizziness. What are you looking at? That's what Christ is talking about, the treasure. You know, Al Gore, some years ago, he misquoted this, you might remember. He switched it around. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. He he swapped it around. Makes more sense that way to us. That your heart is where your treasure is. But you see, if you're treasuring something, turn it into a verb. If you're treasuring something, you will chase after it. You will seek it. You will look for it. And if you're looking for the wrong things, you will be like someone whose eyes um, are veiled in darkness. What, do we, what is a lamp? What's the purpose of a lamp? When we're looking at a parable, you just have to look at the, the aspects of it and say, well, what is it, how does it work in the real world? 
A lamp has one purpose, practically. It enables sight. Some lamps are pretty and some are ugly, so they can be decorations as well. But ultimately, you'd rather have an ugly lamp that works and a beautiful one that doesn't. You want to be able to turn the switch on and have 150 watts come so that you can see where you're walking. And if you're always walking in darkness, always looking at the wrong things, you will be as someone who does not have the proper lamp. And eventually, this is the real danger and the real tragedy of many people. They look in the wrong place for so long that that darkness overcomes them. And they're walking around them with sunglasses at midnight. Not for fashion purposes, but because those sunglasses, so to speak, have been riveted to the sides of their head and they can't get them off. Because they spent their lives pursuing earthly things. Whether it's knowledge, like my friend who pursued earthly earthly knowledge in a sphere which is okay but not very reasonable to, 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 to pursue or to pursue physical things. You know what's interesting as you grow older the, the things that you used to be able to do is when you were young you just simply can't do them as well anymore. Now it's perfectly fine when you're young to want to be able to you know, run a 100-yard dash in X amounts of seconds. But when you're 50, you're not going to be thinking about running 100-yard dashes at all. It's just, I can't remember the last time I actually thought about running a 100-yard dash. I used to run them all the time when I played football. You don't care about it anymore. You don't care. Time changes you. And a 100-yard dash is a perfectly moral thing to want to do. But if you're chasing the wrong thing and you chase it for 30 years and it's sinful, then at the end of that 30 years, your life will be in shreds. That's what the problem is with us. Do you want to know why you're unfruitful? Do you want to know why you're not productive? It's because your spiritual priorities are not in order. You're trying to serve two masters. And that's what Christ gets at here at the end. No one can serve two masters. For either he will love the one and hate the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? It's money. You can't serve God in money. It's just that simple. We have to make a choice. We have to get our priorities in order. Is the kingdom of heaven more important or is the kingdom of this earth more important? And Christians... Of all persons, are the only people on earth who should be able to make the right decisions. And most Christians simply don't. We have divided loyalties. We have divided allegiances. And what's really sad is that a lot... You, no one can look into another person's heart. But there are a lot of people who actually think they're Christians and they're not. That Christ is going to get at later on in the Sermon on the Mount. There'll be many in that day who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and do that for you? And he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawless ones. Chilling words. So I ask you, what are you chasing? What is your spiritual eye? 
Are you focused on Christ and his kingdom? Or are you focused on something that is brutally, brutally temporal? Does it really matter who wins the Super Bowl or who wins the World Series? I used to be a sports fanatic. When I was younger in New Jersey, you could, there were so many sports teams, so many newspapers. You could, you could read them. If the Yankees weren't too good, doing well, you could, you could read about the Mets. You could even read about the Phillies if you wanted to. Because they were only 90 minutes away either way. I don't bother anymore. I'm not holding myself up as an example, but I realized what a waste of time that was. When I added it up, how much time I actually spent in front of that boob tube watching games, I came to almost 10,000 hours and I said, wow, that is a lot of time. I probably could have got another college degree in that time. That's a lot of time to watch grown men run around in weird looking uniforms Getting overpaid. It really is a kind of crazy thing. There's nothing wrong with watching them once in a while, but to overdo it is crazy. Why bother? Why bother? What are the trivial pursuits in your life? Maybe you don't care if the Pirates are going to hit 500 this year. I did. But does it really matter? A little bit but not much. Brothers and sisters, you can't serve God in money. You can't serve heaven and earth. You can't serve God in the evil one. And you certainly can't serve God and yourself. You have to make a choice. I call upon you to order your proper priorities and focus on the things of eternity. Let's pray to the God of eternity, shall we? Oh Lord, we ask that you would give us the grace we need to forsake the darkness and to walk in the light as you are in the light. Give us that grace, O oh Lord. Amen.